0: Hey, you guys, Patrick here. Be sure to stay tuned at the very end of today's episode for outtakes from this week's recording. Hey, girl. Hey. Uh, We need to check in. Oh, boy.
1: (laughs) First of all. Yeah. There's a Daisy ghost story. Okay, here's the thing. Are you okay? I'm okay. I'm afraid
0: of like talking about it on the podcast. because I feel like people are going to think I'm making it up for the podcast and I'm not. This is real. This is
1: really happening. I don't know anything about this. You know what? I had to find out about it on Twitter. On our shared Twitter, I know. I was like, "What? Oh my god!" All right, here's
0: what happened. So we put Daisy to bed, you know, and we give her milk. She drinks like milk in a sippy cup to go to sleep in her in her crib. Typically, what happens is, like, we'll put her to bed, go start the Golden Girls. We don't get too far into the Golden Girls because Mm -hmm. we know she's gonna call me. So this night, it takes her a few minutes to call me, and I was like, "Oh, maybe she fell asleep." And then I hear, Daddy, Daddy. So I go in. So like I give it a minute, and then I go in. And I'm like, hey, baby. I'm like, what's up? And she goes, and she literally, her, her eyes are closed like she's asleep. And she goes, uh, oh, I want more milk. I go, okay. So I go to like take the milk, and I walk. I, as I'm walking on she goes, but Daddy, it, I didn't call you. It wasn't me. And I said, full body <laughs> chills. I said, who was it, baby? And she goes, the
2: other girl, Daddy.
1: The, there's a girl in no! <laughs> There's a man <laughs> and a girl. Yeah. Yes.
0: Hi Jillian Pensavalli. Hey Patrick Hines. How are you, girl? I'm I'm okay. How's the table flipometer? Where are we at like full sesnick or like where are we? No,
1: no, no, we're not full. I mean, I'm super mad at the press on how they handled this. I'm more it's more of a heartbreaking. It's a Can I flip a table sad with my tears sure. yeah, Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. then in that sense it's pretty high I, yeah. cr- I, I cried a lot in this I this. cried a
0: lot in this too yeah this was really hard uh, we also meet some characters but...
1: those guys in the bar <laughs> can't oh wait God. to get to them oh I loved it I loved All right. it what are we talking about today we're talking about The Witness
3: exactly what was it you heard
1: save me save
3: me didn't this frighten you or shock you no I was 16 when my sister Kitty was murdered in New York City. For years I avoided the details of that night, but it's worse not knowing the truth. The Times story was seen as proof that New York City was uncaring. And my sister's been the symbol of bystander apathy for decades.
4: No one investigated the 38. No one followed up on it or anything of that
3: nature. Was it worth all the attention it got? Or was it a media creation? It's a fascinating story. And undoubtedly so, newspapers. I heard somebody saying, help, help. I called the police. You called the police? Always.
5: The story doesn't make any sense to me. I'm sick of listening to people tell you, Thirty-eight people stood by and watched. That's not so.
4: Really doesn't take a lot
2: to kill a person, I guess. Maybe we could start it off by talking about what it is you're trying to accomplish by having a meeting with Winston Mosley. The choices that he made in his life were all related to the fact that no one helped his sister. And if he knows the truth, that's a peacefulness.
3: At what point are you going to be satisfied? Fifty years later, we're still talking about Kitty. I can't stop until I feel like it's over.
4: Yeah, when is it over?
3: I'll, I'll know when it's over.
0: This is the story of Kitty Genovese. Do you want to just go over the deets of the crime?
1: Yeah, she was murdered in March of 1964 in Kew Gardens, Queens. She lived in this apartment complex that was right near the Long Island Railroad station that is still there. The apartment complex is sort of, it's like a little bit of a horseshoe, so a lot of people can see out onto the parking lot and the murder scene, basically. And she is also, this was a nationwide thing. Yeah. Because of the fact that... That there were allegedly, when the story first broke, 38 witnesses in that building who did and said nothing.
0: Who, like, literally heard her blood-curdling scream, looked out the window, and decided not to help her. I
1: heard the screaming, and I went to the uh, bedroom
2: window, and I saw some girl on her knees. And she was screaming, help,
3: help. Just exactly what was it you heard?
4: Save me, save me.
3: Didn't this frighten you or shock you?
4: No. No. This whole documentary
0: is from her brother's point of view because he's deciding to like relook at the the famous New York Times article that had, that came out in that year 1964 about the 38 people who watched and did nothing.
1: Right. His name is William or Bill.
0: And listen, his. this guy is documentary gold. He has no legs. He is like the smartest. You just want to follow, you just want to listen to him talk. He's got this like amazing voice. He's in a wheelchair. He doesn't need any help. He's like This guy's awesome. He's
1: Gemma and Abby level of just like, I'm going to get this shit done whether you like it or not.
0: He's the kind of guy you meet and you're like, what's your story? We need to make a documentary about you. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And we'll get into why he's in a wheelchair. Yeah. Because, or how how many times am I going to cry during this recording? Let's see.
0: (laughs) Two
3: weeks after my sister Kitty's funeral, the New York Times published a front page story. It barely mentioned her killer. Instead, it focused on Kitty's neighbors, and practically blamed 38 of them for her death. But recently, the Times published a new article. It challenged the accuracy of its original report. And others now claim the story of 38 witnesses is more myth than fact.
0: Let's take a minute and explain why Bill is doing this.
1: So it's more than just because it's his sister. Because when this New York Times article came out, It was, the story became these 38 people, these 38 people. It became a nationwide issue. Like, there's even footage of Bill Clinton talking about it.
0: I actually refer to him as Foxy Bill Clinton. Sure.
3: Lights came on in the apartment building. A window opened. The attacker got nervous and left. But not a single person came to the rescue. No one even called the police at a time
6: when the average response time was two minutes. So the man came back and stabbed her again. It sent a chilling message suggesting that we were... Each of us
3: not simply endangered, but fundamentally alone.
1: I mean, this is just, she is known with New York City is uncaring. Well,
0: Bill says that she's become the symbol of bystander apathy.
1: Yes, yes. I mean, she's referenced in Law & Order, and it's like 40 people, you know, Jerry Orbach, like, and 40 people watched from their windows and turned up the volume on their television. Like, she's just become a symbol for that. And then 40 years later, there's another article published by The Times where someone kind of got their shit together and was like, this all seems so super exaggerated. 40 years later, let me take a look. And so Bill is wondering, what is myth? What is fact? what was embellished what was not what actually happened that night because as we learn there are a lot of inaccuracies in this Times article a lot
3: what did the witnesses actually see or hear were there really 38 why didn't they try to help my sister for years I avoided the details of that night because they were just too painful but it's worse not knowing the truth.
1: So something I just want to focus on. We meet a couple of people here. We meet Charles Scholar, Char- Charlie Scola, the <laughs> prosecutor at the time. And we meet some more people. And they are, I mean, I hope they had a conversation before the cameras were rolling. But the way they describe this gruesome murder to the kitty's brother. I know. I'm just like, can you guys give, can you like ramp up to this or give a little warning? Because they're like, there was so much blood. There was so much screaming. <laughs> I know. And I'm like, Wait a second. Like, let's, whoa. <laughs> it's jarring to me. And also, this is her brother, her Bill, lovely brother.
0: So Brother Bill picks up Charles Scholar on the sidewalk. Yeah. Like, literally at a stoplight. Like, it's just so Queen.
1: It is so, <laughs> it is all so Queen.
0: Mr. Scholar?
2: Really? Yeah. Hi. How you
3: doing? All right, how are you?
0: you? like, you guys
1: couldn't just meet at the diner? They'll get there. They'll go to the diner. <laughs> You always go to the you always end up at the diner. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, so with Charlie Scholar, they literally they pull into the parking lot where where she parked her car.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Pull into this parking lot
7: because that's where your sister pulled her car into this lane.
0: They walk the sidewalk where she had walked, and as they're going, Charlie's sort of explaining to Bill, the brother, like what happened. And this is where Winston Mosley caught up to her and struck
7: the first blows to her back.
0: So he's like, you know, this is where she screamed and that we know that the elevator operator for the building heard it and didn't come out and help. Instead, he went downstairs to bed.
7: Joseph Fink was seated in the lobby of the building. He was the night elevator operator and he saw the entire first attack take place from beginning to end. And he knew exactly what was happening. And instead of doing anything, he got on the elevator, went downstairs, went to his apartment, and went to sleep.
0: Ultimately, like, they they go to the stairwell where she died, where she was attacked for the second time. And he says, this is where Carl Ross comes to the the top of the stairs and calls his girlfriend.
7: Now, as she was being attacked in this hallway, Carl (laughs) Ross looked down, and he saw that second attack take place. And he went to the telephone, called his girlfriend. She said, don't get
0: involved.
1: Carl, yeah. get involved. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, I, I mean, and we'll, we'll get into this, but yeah. like.
0: And, the, you know, the prosecutor is adamant that the time between the first attack and when he came back to find her was like 30 to 40 minutes. He's
3: How much time? time do you think, if you can remember, from the first attack to when he finds her again?
7: I would say about a half an hour, possibly 40 minutes. Long enough for somebody to have called the police and for the police to have arrived and probably to save your sister's life.
0: All of this will be proven untrue later. Yes. So Bill the Brother decides in, in order to investigate this properly, he has to track down the people who testified uh in the in the trial. And like also he's learning these things on the flight. His family doesn't know anything about yeah. what, what really happened to her. Mm-hmm. But uh so they're going through the transcripts and we'll get to that in a second, but the transcripts are being read by these voiceover actors. Yeah, they sure are. And the And I mean that in like the New York, not the gay sense. So Jillian, take us through this. Who are the five people who testified and what do they have to say?
1: All right. First, apartment 204, Irene Frost. <laughs> she heard a shriek. Nothing looked weird. She went back to bed.
5: I heard a shriek. I got out of bed, went to the window, and I saw a man and a woman standing across the street. By the bookstore. I looked at them for a minute. Nothing happened, so I got back to bed.
1: So, here's the thing about Irene. So they're <laughs> trying to get all these people, and a lot of people at the time, like a building full of people. There's going to be old, and yeah. So of Queens, is, especially that area, is just filled with people who've lived in the apartments for 45 years. Yeah, exactly. So even at the time, it's like these people were pretty up there. So Irene, what he's trying to track down, Irene. So he finds like her son or whatever. He finds. No, he somebody. finds the
0: son of her former employer. Yes. Yeah.
1: Who <laughs> drops this bomb? Irene stole, I don't know how, I don't know what, $100,000 from her former employer.
6: I know the name well. My grandpa didn't know much about running the business. And apparently I, Irene just stole several hundred thousand dollars from
1: him. And William's like, oh, interesting, is she alive? And the son's like, oh, she's long dead.
3: Now, do you know if she's alive or dead at this point?
7: Oh, she's long dead.
1: And it is inflection. It's like, and nobody misses her. Like, whoa. And then there's this image of like, there's a picture of her in the newspaper and it was like, excellent secretary. And it's like, excellent at money laundering. And like. Exactly. Oh my God. Oh, so she's, she,
0: she's off the list. She's not going to help us. Uh, next person, Robert Moser, apartment 715.
1: He's the one who, this is so Queens, hollered. <laughs> Get out of there.
3: I saw this girl at the bookstore kneeling and this fellow had it down, bending over her. And I hollered, hey, get out of there.
1: Who he says the guy ran off like a scared rabbit.
3: (laughs) And he jumped up and ran. He ran like a scared rabbit.
1: So he at least was what saw, he saw something and said something. It's Uh, true. Unfortunately, that was not adopted in New York City until decades later.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Um, But he died in 1971. Up next. Andre Peake. I can't do a French accent. I cannot do it. Neither
0: can the voiceover actress who does this voiceover. It's horrible. Can we
1: talk about the fact that in my notes I said Frenchie with a photo of JFK and Jackie O? I know she's. It's this woman is like on the tarmac with JFK and Jackie O just like chilling. And they're like greeting her, it looks like. Like they're saying hi to her. I'm like, Andre, what are you doing living out in Queens? Andre, anyway, she saw everything. And uh, she was scared, frozen at the window. So she was a, a big old no help.
0: I was still at the window, scared and
2: kind of frozen.
0: Like, can't you just see this image of this like gorgeous like bombshell flight attendant, like cigarette in black in and head? white, right? Yeah, exactly. Totally. I like... was seeing it in black and white. And
1: raining. Suddenly it was raining just in her window. <laughs> I heard the last two screams, and that's all she said.
0: I know. Thanks, Andre. She did nothing.
1: Thanks for nothing. Died in two thousand two. Okay. Uh, okay, next.
0: uh oh, I love this part. My favorite I know.
1: person.
0: Okay, Sophia Farrar. So she, we don't get her apartment number. No. But we do like see her testimony. And we yeah. learn a bombshell here. The bombshell being Kitty didn't die alone. No. Everyone, it had been reported in that New York Times story that Kitty had died alone in like a pool of her own blood at the bottom of those stairs. But no, that's not true. And
1: Bill doesn't know. This is news to Bill. So, Sorry. What happens? So first, we don't meet Sophia. We meet her son, Michael. Oh my God! I love him. <laughs> I know. He's what you like. That's Q Gardens. Yeah. <laughs> Current, day, like present day Q Gardens. So we right. got Michael. My
0: mom, she really
6: liked Kitty, and you know she can't get around no more. But I spoke to her, and she told me stuff that I couldn't here when i was younger what happened yeah, and all right. and we'll get
0: into that later michael's mother was with kitty at the bottom of the stairs when she died right. so he takes him to the bottom of the stairs and he says he compares it to the smell of a butcher shop there was so much blood that it smelled like a butcher shop
6: but you could actually smell the blood you know it's like something you don't forget it's like walking an old butcher shop how you could smell that it, the yeah. human the meat it, you know it
1: I have to imagine that some something there was a conversation before the camera started rolling between Bill and anyone he spoke to that was like I need to know. I'm doing this for closure. Yeah, Don't yeah. hold back. But I, I feel like and as we as the documentary goes on this was somewhat I believe cathartic for Bill. Yeah, for After sure. so many years of knowing nothing, I think he needed to just like just just lay it on me. Kind of like a band-aid. Like let's just do it for this yeah. documentary and tell me all of it and I got I need to do this.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, so he he says he's gonna try to get his mother to talk to Bill. And why doesn't she want to? Because she already she talked to one paper. Oh my god, the look on your face! <laughs> I thought I said the wrong answer. No. Yeah, she talked to one paper. My mom spoke to
6: one woman from a newspaper back then, and she told her what happened. And the woman says, "You know, would you do that again if you had to?" And my mother says, "Certainly, of course." When the paper come out, it says my mom said that she would never get involved with it, and that's when my mother says it don't pay to talk because they twist what you say, and that's she never said anything
0: since. And then it ends again in the queensiest way possible, where Michael and Bill part ways, and Michael's like, "Give the best to your family." Yeah, give the best to your family and
1: call <laughs> <laughs> your mother. Tell my, tell your mother I said hello. <laughs> my dad used to go to a restaurant in queens right on queens boulevard that has since closed down it was called joe abracimento's it was the best my I, we, mike and i had our rehearsal dinner there and down the street there was a cigar club oh god it's the most queens thing. it looks like it had the, the decor of joe abracimento's hadn't changed in years and i loved it like that give me that kind of italian restaurant yeah, he, you know yeah but they used to say if, if guys if guys would leave and go over to the cigar club they'd say all right I'll see you over there <laughs> And so that, like, this is, this is real, you guys. I, I've lived this. Alright, see you over there. Say hi to your mother for me, alright? right, see you over there. That's how they do See you at the diner.
0: Okay, so at this point, Bill Billy decides that he's going to track down the 38 witnesses. So this is different from the people who testified.
1: Bill, needs, Bill wants to track down everybody he can because yeah. he goes through this beautiful moment where he said that he and Kitty were really close and she was always there to answer his questions and he just needs to talk to anybody and everybody. Yeah. So he goes through all the files and witness statements given to the New York Police Department at the time. He yeah. now has those files. Most of them are unreadable. The names are redacted. But who he can find, he tracks down. Yeah. And there were 38 names. Right. That he collects.
0: So now he is on the hunt to, like, meet these 38, as many of them as are still alive. Yeah, whoever he can. Yeah. So who does he meet first?
1: Lynn and Todd Tilston, apartment 214.
3: Lynn, I presume.
1: Yes, Bill, I presume.
0: Yes, and you're Todd. Todd. And what happens?
1: So first she goes... That Lynn says that she felt it was a safe building, but then also throws in that there was a fear in the building. Right. Okay. Um. So according to Lynn, though, she heard one scream that woke her up and kind of, you know, when you hear something, you like wait to see if there's anything else yeah. coming next.
0: Especially in my house.
1: Oh, God. Especially. <laughs> no, you run. You run out the door. And she didn't hear anything else, so she went back to sleep. So now... Bill is like, um, no, <laughs> according to the police, you and your mother told them that you were quoted talking about some guy named George and there right. was all the screaming. And Lynn is like in the, I'm sorry, what camp? <laughs> and it's like, I said no such thing. I have no idea who George is, but I, mm.
5: I never heard of mm. anything like that. And as far as I know, mama was asleep.
3: Yeah.
7: That is shocking.
1: And then it dawns on her, Holy shit. I'm one of the 38 people. The times is talking about me right, and my mother. Right.
3: Do you think you were one of the 38 that were reported to have done nothing?
1: I, I suppose I
5: could be, I could be counted in with that.
3: Mm. When the because fle-
5: I woke up,
3: yeah.
1: I looked out the window and I went back to bed. Now as the viewer, you're realizing, hold on a second. Yeah. It sounded a little much before. Yeah. And now this is starting to unravel.
0: Um, The next person she meets has the greatest name in all of humankind. Hattie Grund. Hello. Hiya.
3: You're Hattie. Yes. Hi, Bill Genovese.
0: Nice to meet
2: you.
3: How you doing? Nice strong grip.
2: Come on. (laughs) And I
0: actually wrote in my notes, oh, my God, she reminds me of every one of my mother's older lesbian friends. Perfect. I don't think she is a lesbian. I think she's just from Queens. (laughs) I think sometimes it's hard to tell
1: the difference. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So she claims that she called the police.
7: I heard somebody saying, help, help, from what I recall. And then I called the police. You called the police? Always. And they said, we already got the calls. I didn't even finish my statement.
2: And they said, we've already gotten a call.
1: And she says, no, I, yeah, I called the cops. And they basically said, don't worry about it. Yeah.
2: We, we got, got this covered. The right.
1: And she was like, um, okay. Okay, bye. So then
0: Bill, in his brain, is like, well, wait, did she really call the cops? Or did she just invent a story that she could live with?
1: Mm-hmm.
3: After hearing Hattie Grun claim she and others called the police... I requested the police log of phone calls from that night. The only call they list is from Carl Ross, well after Mosley was gone. Did the police fail to log the calls? Or did Hattie just create a story she could live with?
1: Carl Ross, the one whose girlfriend said don't get involved, he did call. His call is logged. Yeah. But nobody else. And so Bill is kind of thinking, like, things are not really adding up here. Right.
0: Right. So at this point, we take a little bit of a left turn and get some background on Bill.
1: Yeah. So Bill is a legit hero, not just for what he's doing now, but um, after Kitty. Because So remember, Kitty died in 1964. So after that, Vietnam was in full swing. And Bill had a lot of friends who were not, you know, he saw them as, as you know, apathetic bystanders, as he said. And he didn't want to do that. He didn't want to be, you know, one of the 38 witnesses who stood by and did nothing. He enlisted in the Marines and he went to Vietnam. and. Like so many people, he came back with injuries.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He, I think, stepped on a landmine. Mm-hmm. Uh, And that's how he lost his leg. So we get that piece of information there.
1: Doesn't that, like, just tell you what kind of character this person has? Yeah. And, like, like and also, like,
0: it seems like he met his wife after. Like, we see his wife and we see his kids at different points. Like, it seems like they've... I don't know, like, she married a guy with no legs. Like, these are wonderful people.
1: Yeah, who's just like, this man needs closure, closure, and I love him, and, like, hopefully this will help. I think he's looking for the ultimate inner peace.
2: The choices that he made in his life um, were all related to the fact that no one helped his sister. And if he knows the truth, that's a peacefulness. I mean, I'm hoping for Bill that there'll be closure. You know, like
1: he didn't lose his legs in Vietnam for nothing.
0: So at this point, we he decides to delve into the original New York Times story.
1: Yeah, now so we're done with the witnesses for now. Now we're in the journalist arena.
0: Yep so the the article was written by a journalist named martin gansberg and his editor was abe rosenthal
1: yeah even though martin wrote it abe was credited with breaking the story like that's how big time abe rosenthal is and this is a guy you do not fuck with like everybody is
0: terrified apparently of abe rosenthal
1: and abe rosenthal is also he wrote a book called 38 witnesses i mean he is he's doubling down on this story he, he is for real well
5: this story has never died I still get mail about it. People write theses about it. There are lectures, seminars at universities. They are obsessed by this story.
0: So Bill goes to see Abe Rosenthal, mm-hmm. and I also, first of all, Abe Rosenthal like works in an office that I just my husband wants to be buried in. Like it's just like <laughs> floor to ceiling books and yeah. crossword puzzles and right. organized like, mess. Old-
1: exactly that's what journalists do as we've learned in all these documentaries they just have piles and piles of their papers and books and research just everywhere and they live in it
0: would you say about the guy from the keepers he would have a sign on his door that god
1: bless this mess (laughs) totally
0: so listen if there's one thing that abe rosenthal doesn't have time for It's anybody's shit. No. No. Okay. So basically, he like sits down with Abe Rosenthal and Abe basically, again, recounts the story. And Bill, at this point, is skeptical and tries to like make some of his skepticism known. And Abe Rosenthal just like shuts it the
1: hell down. Shuts it down. (laughs) He's basically, without saying it, saying like, don't you know who I am? (laughs) I'm Abe G.D. Rosenthal. (laughs) And you're in my office. Facts or not. (laughs) I'm Abe Rosenthal.
3: Well, where did the number 38 come? I wonder, was it synthesized somehow to make a big impact? No. So that we could get a positive... I mean, for a
5: positive result. I'm telling you, I can't swear to God
0: that there were 38 people. So basically, Abe Rosenthal is not taking anything back. Nope. Even though 40 years after that original article was written, there was like a recanting of the story. But okay. Right. So the next person we meet is... Joe,
1: Joe DeMay. Joe DeMay, Kew <laughs> Gardens resident and amateur historian. Man after my own heart.
4: I sat down and I read through the article. And when I was all through, I thought to myself, what the heck? This this can't make, this doesn't make any sense at all.
1: But he's also like, hold on a second, New York Times from 1964. Let's go through this point by point. Exactly. And he does. And he, he does. says the original article was full of holes and inaccuracies, 38 witnesses, he's like, not so much. He reads, they show us the first paragraph
0: of the article.
1: And it's all, the graphics have exactly. it all scratched out. So I loved the, it. Yeah, I know. I was thinking I about loved you in it.
0: that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they, the, the first paragraph reads
4: For more than half an hour, 38 respectable law abiding citizens in Queens watched a killer stalk and stab a woman in three separate
1: attacks in Kew Gardens. That's a log line for a fantastic movie <laughs> starring Jimmy Stewart. Don't. <laughs> However, exactly. is it true? Not really. No.
0: So what do we find out?
1: So th- what Joe tells us, and a new term I've just learned, uh, he calls them ear witnesses, <laughs> not eyewitnesses. <laughs> right.
4: Well, it turns out there weren't 38 eyewitnesses at all. The witnesses to the case, with one or two exceptions, were ear witnesses, not eyewitnesses.
1: So people hearing a weird thing and that's, and you, you kind of think about it and you're like, Oh shit, that's totally right. Because how many people that bill spoke to and testified were like, yeah, I heard something, but didn't specifically say they saw something. Exactly. So that's a big deal. And the New York times is like, Oh, they're all witnesses. Just throw them in. Whatever. Exactly.
0: The other, the other major thing is that it, you know, it wasn't a half an hour. It was minutes. The Mm -hmm. whole thing lasted maybe five or seven minutes. Mm -hmm. Um, it was two attacks, not three. He attacked her in front of the cleaners, went back to his car, and then found her in the vestibule of the building and killed mm-hmm. her there. Mm-hmm. The biggest revelation of this whole thing is that in the time that she, between her being attacked in front of the cleaner, him going to his car, waiting a few minutes, deciding that nobody was going to take any action, and then coming back to finish her off, I hate to use I know, that expression. I know. The people who heard the screams didn't hear any other commotion for minutes, so they thought everything was fine.
4: What happened is this. There was an initial attack on Austin Street that was broken off. The killer fled. Your sister then got up, and she walked around to the back of the building. The people in the apartment building could not have seen her for more than a couple of minutes. When they saw him come back, the few witnesses were still at their windows. Kitty was long gone. As far as they knew, she was someplace safe. So. Yeah, the story was generally correct. But in a lot of the important details, it was grossly exaggerated and simply not true.
0: So thanks, Joe DeMay. The, the next journalist we meet is Joe Rassenberger, who wrote the article 40 years later, calling into question all of the, all of the facts that we thought we knew. Mm-hmm. If the story had been reported more accurately,
5: it still would have been a two or three day, maybe even yeah. a four day story. But it would not have been a 50 year story we would not still be sitting here talking about it
0: today. The next person they meet is Mike Wallace, which is just kind of cool that Mike Wallace is in this documentary. Bill asked Mike Wallace, like, why did nobody question this? Why did nobody, like, look further into this? And Mike Wallace is like...
5: Because it was taken
3: seriously by the New York Times.
0: All right, so who do we meet next?
1: Gabe Pressman? Yeah.
3: (laughs) Mr. Pressman? How are you? good
1: i'm good (laughs) journalist for wnbc in 1964 and god does he look the part those old pictures i'm sorry
0: i know he basically has like a hat with a scoop sign
1: a hundred zillion percent with the like the wnbc (laughs) microphone it's like it's so beautiful and then you realize like oh we're here because of a gruesome horrible thing shit
0: i know can i make can i note one thing yeah gabe pressman has his notes From this article, his actual notebook, which looks pristine, he looked like they wrote the notes yesterday. I know.
5: And it says here there were many witnesses, some thirty
0: odd in the number. I can't find my notes for this thing that I made an hour ago.
1: It's true. I just love it. And it is so old timey. It's like the flip notebook. Oh, I love it.
0: He's a like, oh, it's in the, it's in the B box in the back. of the- Yeah. God bless this mess.
1: God bless you, Gabe Pressman. <laughs> so Gabe Pressman now leads us to Danny Meenan, who he's like, Danny Meenan was the best journalist of all time. <laughs> um,
5: I had no firsthand knowledge of the story, but my friend Danny Meenan covered the story. At this point, he was doing radio, I believe for WMCA. And, um, among all the police reporters I've known, and I've known many, he was one of the best, if not the best.
1: He was like the the best the best police reporter around. He really he hustled. He was on the beat. He was amazing. And he also back then was like, this is not making any sense uh-huh. at all. Everybody, hello.
0: But who did he not want to take on?
1: Abe Rosenthal, excuse you, <laughs> right? Is it?
0: Yeah, Abe Rosenthal. Abe, if
1: you're listening. <laughs> Um, But Danny Meenan says that Martin Gansberg, who wrote the Times article, said that telling the truth would, quote, ruin the story. I'm flipping a table.
5: Martin Gansberg, the author of the page one story in the Times, which caused the furor, was challenged by this irate reporter. Why didn't you include in your story the fact that many witnesses did not believe a murder was taking place? Gansberg replied, "It would have ruined the story."
0: That's where we learned that, like, it's all bu- it's all bullshit. They knew that Kitty didn't die alone. Mm-hmm. They knew that there were they, that people try, that people tried to help in their way. They knew that you know the, the the whole New York Times article was overblown, but they were just writing a story to sell newspapers.
1: And look, that opening sentence is amazing. Yeah, that will suck anybody in they did a great job yeah. it was a horrible thing that they did yeah because it, it it led to to one you know what giving queens and new yorkers a bad reputation which <laughs> i don't really like very much but also you know ruined t- tore this family apart and and made them not be able to grieve in the way that they right they should have and sort of you know it's <sighs> terrible
0: now we are moving into my favorite part of this documentary kitty's we get-
1: personal life <laughs> You did like a sexy
0: shoulder thing I when did. you said that.
1: I did. I don't know why. I, I was inspired to do it. I don't really
0: do that. So the first person we meet is her high school friend, Ilsa.
3: So this is where you went to high school.
0: This is where we went to high school.
4: And when we played hooky, we were in that park. <laughs> which we did a lot. I love Ilsa.
0: Ilsa looks like she's gotten the good work. Yeah. She's also not taking off her sunglasses or hat for this interview.
1: She has, a, she has to keep a certain standard. <laughs>
0: what does she have to say about kitty
1: well every you know kitty if you were in kitty's clique, you were cool
7: <laughs> everyone loved kitty she was funny very witty she had a,
2: an enormous following
1: um, she would, Kitty is, um, queen just B. queen bee. Yeah. But not in the, she wasn't a mean girl. She was just fun and spunky and quirky and kind of a badass, right? She had a car. She had a
0: red Fiat, which we hear about endlessly. in this Yeah. Country. Um, Ilsa says they were all cut ups. Yeah. They would, um, play hooky. They, and when they played hooky, they went to the beach. They went to theater in the park, which I loved. I yep. was like, good for you girls. And they would smoke on the roof.
1: Yep. Just what you do in these, like, gorgeous pictures from 1962 where I'm like, oh, my God.
0: So then, okay, here we go. So she graduates high school and stays in the city, becomes what we refer to as a barmaid.
1: They refer to as a barmaid.
0: (laughs) And Ilsa's not impressed, by the way. No.
7: I remember thinking, what a pity, what a waste,
1: that she wound up a
7: barmaid.
0: So... Now, Bill goes to, like, the bar where Kitty worked.
1: Ev's 11th he Hour is the name S of the bar. 11th hour. <laughs> First of all, the bar opens at 8 a.m. God, I love Queens. <laughs> so then there are these two guys from the bar that we meet who are, like, my favorite.
0: Victor Horn and Wally Brosnan. You know what? I'm Wally
3: Brosnan, Bill. Wally, Bill I Genovese. A, I was a friend of Kitty's, too. Good. That's That's a, nice to meet you, Victor. Hiya, Bill. Nice to
2: meet
1: so... You. <laughs> They're taught. They're like relaying these stories. And it's like, remember that time she cut off what's-his-name? It's like, what was he doing, hollering and carrying on? And it's like, no, he was just a drunk. And they're like, ha!
3: What was she like in there? Was she, you know, if there was trouble, did anybody get into fights? She cut off, what's-his-name, Harry
5: Oliver. She cut him off, told him he couldn't come in anymore.
3: Why was he doing screaming, yelling? Well,
5: you know, he used to get drunk.
1: And I'm like, I want to drink beer, like eggs, steak and eggs and beer with these guys at 8 a.m. Sign me up. And they're just like, no, she was a, she was a bookie and she was gay. And Bill's like, she was a what and a what?
4: <laughs> oh, yeah. Everybody knew that she was
3: gay. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Everybody knew. Let's this way. She was one of the boys. I mean, guys used to borrow money off her. Borrow money from Yeah. Them. Everybody in there ga- gambled in one way
5: or
0: another. She was a right a bookie? She like ran at numbers for people.
5: What she would do, people would give her a bets to the gift to the bookie. Mm. And she got caught in the middle. People would give her the bets and they said, You're booking the horses. That's that's what happened. She got she got her locked up or something for that one time, yeah.
3: I didn't know my sister was such a racketeer. <laughs>
1: And that famous photo, excuse me, is her mug, <laughs> mug shot. shot, which is a gorgeous mug shot. I know, I'm it's sorry. true. And she looks like, you know, she didn't take any shit from anybody. She was probably a fantastic bartender. <laughs> and I mean that sincerely. Yeah. <laughs> she, you looks really serious. I am. I am. Because I I just feel I, she and I, I think, sort of bartended in the same way. We gave a heavy hand and we didn't take any shit from anybody. Heavy hand, meaning you guys got strong drinks exactly. from me behind Come the bar. Come see us at our happy hour. Woo.
0: Um, sorry, did you say Kitty was gay? Yeah. At this point in the documentary, <laughs> we find out that Kitty was a
1: lesbian.
0: I, and, I, and, and everything was right with the world. <laughs> and everything was goddamn right with the world.
1: Why do you love that so
0: much? Because, well, I'll tell you a couple things. Yeah. I'm obsessed with New York City gay history. Oh, well, yeah. So I know what she, I wrote a book about it. Yeah. I, I know what she would have been up to mm-hmm. back then. Like, I know, like, the underground bars and the scene and, like, what she was, you know, like, where she'd be, like, meetings she'd be going to. And, you know, it was, like, it's such a budding era of activism. Yeah. And, like, I, I have a, a strong sense of what it was like to be gay in New York in the 50s. And it was fucking awesome. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And also she was just, like, I love Love that she's sexy and 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 the men loved her. They didn't give a fuck that she was gay. It was nineteen it was nineteen sixty two, yeah, They yeah. did Didn't care. They just thought she was a cool chick. She was. I love lesbians.
1: But then Marianne, the roommate. Oh my god, the roommate. Like, I right. It.
0: First of all, I love that her name is Marianne.
3: There's one more person who can tell me more about Kitty's life in the city. Her lover, Marianne. She used to come to New Canaan with Kitty on weekends. I assume they were just roommates. After Kitty died, we never spoke to her again.
1: There's such a sense of sadness in this part to me. Oh my God, I was sobbing. So Bill
0: tracks down Marianne. Yeah. And Marianne agrees to like be in an interview recorded, but she doesn't want like a camera. Okay. So there, it's just an audio interview and they do this like beautiful animation. I know. know. The animation in this documentary is out of this world. It's so,
1: so, so good. Yeah,
0: And so Bill asks her how they met
1: Kitty's got the moves. Kitty's got the moves. Yeah, it's a very sweet story.
3: Marianne, I, I was always curious how did you and Kitty meet?
7: It's either the Duchess or
0: the Sea Colony. I don't remember the name.
7: I was sitting at the bar having a beer, and this woman comes up to me and said, Don't I know you're from somewhere? I said, Well, no.
1: So Marianne tells Kitty where she lives and Ki- it's 74th, 74th and and Broadway. Broadway and Kitty like finds the payphone and like calls her from the payphone and she's like, hey, I'm downstairs. I'm like, that is so sexy, sexy yeah, and yeah, like yeah. romantic, but in a badass way where it's like, hey, I'm downstairs. Like, let's go. And it's yeah. like, oh my God, she's downstairs. <laughs> like I would get so giddy. Like, what a- and what a gesture to like make the effort, find the payphone, like. Guys, let's get back to that. (laughs) The 50s
0: lesbians knew what was up. Call
1: me from a payphone once in a while, Mike. God.
7: (laughs) I fell very much in love with her. Mm.
1: Speaking of moves, they get in a fight and Kitty buys Marianne this poodle named Andrew. First of all, adopt don't shop
0: yes but a poodle
1: named Andrew and also like to make up with a dog you guys take notes everyone (laughs) so they have this dog and it's like kitty and the roommate have a dog right so after kitty dies um, the father says to Marianne I want the dog because it was Kitty's." and Marianne you don't see her face but you hear on the recording she was like I told him it's my dog and it was and it's like the only thing she has left of kitty and kitty like the reason they have the dog in the first place it's like oh my god she wakes up on Thanksgiving
7: Thanksgiving Afternoon, I woke up, the dog was just gone. Just gone, I never saw him again.
1: And then Bill's like, that's interesting because one day I woke up and Andrew was in my house.
3: I remember after Kitty passed, Andrew appears at our house. Wow. And I thought it was my dad's way of cheering my mother up and it did just the opposite.
6: Mm.
3: I remember her saying, the dog needs to go back. Then he disappeared. I can't, I mean, that's terrible. I apologize for my family for that. That's, that's awful.
0: And we don't know
1: what, we don't know what became of the dog. I blocked that part out. I know. And the dog and, became fine. And, the dog right. was fine. <laughs> Everything was fine. Everyone's fine. Everybody. Okay. Can we move on from this? Well, and then, you know,
0: Marianne is, how old must she be now? Like in her sixties? Yeah. And she says, a trauma can be so bad that it tears you up. But somehow you have to heal. And Right
7: now I haven't healed. Hmm. You know, you feel you could have saved somebody if you only
1: knew. That's what I feel.
3: I totally understand that. Mm-hmm.
1: She still hasn't healed. She slept with her shirt for a long time. She oh, said. my
0: God. It's so broke
1: back. Now yeah, it's really it's absolutely de- it adds the, the whole thing is devastating without this. And then yeah. it adds a level of devastation where you're just like, how many lives did did not only the murder effect, but the, the aftermath of it and how the times covered it. Well, why don't we get to the murderer?
0: So the murderer's name was Winston Mosley. Yep. Here's, here's some things to know about him.
3: Winston Mosley was arrested five days after my sister's murder while stealing a television from a house in Queens. This time a neighbor was good enough to intervene.
0: I love that Bill sneaks in the line where he's like, oh, the neighbors at least called the cops on that one. Right.
1: And the cops, the prosecutor, all the people who were there in the time were like, yeah, he's icy.
0: Yeah, one of the most bloodthirsty killers I've ever met.
1: Manipulative, smart. Right, manipulative, yeah. I mean, just the usual,
0: right? So he gets arrested for stealing this TV, and that's how they're like, wait, he kind of looks like that guy that we think killed that lesbian.
7: Somebody brought in this small, meek-looking black guy, and they brought the prisoner up to the detective office. One of the detectives got an idea. He said, hey, you know, that guy looks like he could be matched the description of the... person who killed Kitty Genovese.
1: Some smart cop. Yeah. Like, put it all together. Exactly. And, because you guys, the technology there wasn't like, let's run him through the system. like right. You just sort of had to eyeball it, and he did, and then thank you for that.
0: And then it goes through his, like, the killing from Robert Mosley's perspective.
1: He also confessed to killing Annie Mae Johnson.
0: Right. Another person two weeks before he murdered Kitty. And it, we I don't want to describe it, because it's can't, so horrific. But, like, the manner in which he killed her and then burned her house down mm-hmm. while she was still alive. I mean, mm-hmm. it's... It's so- And with her family in the house. Exactly. This is
1: not this is not a crime of passion. No. This is this is a person. He even said, one, he admitted everything. He described the kitty Genovese murder. And he even said in court, he was like, I felt I wanted to kill a woman, so I went out and killed a woman. Yeah. And looking at everyone, like, why? I don't understand why that's weird. And it's like, because <laughs> right. you're you're just a monster of a person yeah. Yeah. who who does this. He goes out and, and has urges to kill people. Then in 1968, <laughs> he escapes from prison, and they and Bill says he terrorized Buffalo, he for four days. Yeah, he
3: broke into houses, raped a woman at gunpoint, and took hostages when the FBI closed in.
0: So Bill tries to get an interview with Winston. Mostly, Winston mostly just says, "What does he say?" Nah. <laughs> I don't feel like it.
1: The reason I don't want to be exploited anymore. I'm tired right, of being exactly. exploited. Are you?
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. He also like claims to have been like cured of his craziness. Well, he
1: has a sociology degree that he got right, in prison. Exactly. So, so he's
0: he's also b- been up for parole and denied several times,
1: eighteen times. Run into it. Can you imagine what Bill Genevieve's had to go through to get to that point in his brain where he's like, I want to sit down with this guy. Right. What?
0: Yeah. And then the most enraging thing in the entire world happens when Winston Mosley's son Stephen agrees to like a meeting, and they they meet in a hotel room.
3: Hi, Stephen. Bill. Bill Genevieve.
6: Hi, I'm Stephen. Nice, nice to meet you.
0: We've we've talked a bit about how like how are we going to handle this part because we know we need to tread lightly here. And I will say for sure, this is the son of this cold blooded murderer. And you know he's a pastor now, like clearly a good person who's you know had a very hard life and made good choices and, and risen above. Which I can't imagine how hard that was to Absolutely. do. Absolutely. But he's coming into this meeting with the brother of the woman his father killed, and Stephen want, like wants stuff. Like he's there to negotiate.
6: How would you feel about him getting paroled? Because, um, you know, if it had not been for the uh, notoriety of this story he'd have probably been paroled by now.
1: And bring up things that just make absolutely no sense. And say
0: things that are so enraging, because Bill talks about how he's looking to forgive Walter Mosley. And then this guy, Stephen, has the audacity to say,
6: Can can I explain to you what forgiveness does? When you forgive people, it's for yourself. It's for you.
1: Yeah. Bill and Bill is an angel on earth because the way he can even say this about Winston Mosley, where he's like, part of me thinks he's a good guy. And I was like, what? Even the closed captions must have gotten that one wrong. (laughs) You know, part of me thinks he's a good guy, but part of me, you know, he he's a monster and Stephen cuts him off and he goes
6: 50 years ago.
1: And it's like, like we were saying before, not a crime of passion. Right. Deliberate. He admitted he went out to kill a woman. Yeah. So then Stephen says that his dad, the murderer of Kitty Genovese, says now the story is that Kitty was screaming racial slurs at him.
6: Your sister was using a lot of racial slurs at him and he just
0: lost it. That's what he told me. And it was a very racially tense time in history is what Stephen says.
1: Right. Which, yeah. True.
0: Absolutely. It still is, right? Yeah, absolutely.
1: But with all the 38 people right especially these ear witnesses like that was never a thing and this is just one of the stories that winston tells we'll get to a couple more yeah, yeah don't yeah. you wor- don't you guys worry so bill like takes a breath and says
3: do you realize he killed another woman
6: I, that's something that i'm not real uh you know sure of i, I don't and the, other, the other woman was african-american okay well maybe he did do that i don't know you know yeah uh that's something we never discuss
0: He clearly has, like, made the decision to not know about his father's past deeds. Right. And that's crazy to me. I mean, I guess I get it, but if you're there to negotiate, like, a a support for parole, you better know all of the everything going into it
1: right and even before like steven hasn't even sat down right in the beginning bill is sort of forced to say i'm not judging the son by the father's actions like let's all let's come here on an even level and we both all want we both want the same thing we've both been been tortured really by the by what had happened by what happened that night no one in this room is to blame Right. But let's talk about it in an honest and realistic way.
0: Right, exactly. And
1: Stephen isn't necessarily getting there, especially when he's like, let me ask you a question. Because things are getting a little too real for Stephen at this moment. Mm-hmm. And he asks Bill...
6: From what I've understood, there was a Genovese crime family. Are you related to the crime family of the Genovese? No, not at
3: all.
6: I've always uh, been told that that it had been the, the crime family that was... Yeah. It's, you know, it's true was It's
3: true, Stephen,
0: wrong. between you and me, it's not true. This was such a Bravo TV moment. I was like, what is
1: happening? And that he was warned. Stephen was warned by members of <laughs> his family. Everybody
6: in my family says to me, you know, you're crazy. You shouldn't go there. You may not come back.
1: And Bill was like.
3: So you're not only cordial for coming here, but you're courageous for coming here.
1: And right. I was like, Bill.
0: I know, I know.
1: But then a month later, after this meeting, Winston... The The father writes a letter to Bill and and now the story is he was the getaway driver. Did absolutely (laughs) nothing wrong, was the getaway driver.
3: According to him, he was nothing more than the getaway driver for the true killer, an Italian mobster named Dominic. At that point, Dominic ran at the woman and I thought I was seeing him hitting her in her back with his fist. I didn't know he had a knife. Why, I asked, she owed me, was all he said. He said to me in a very menacing way, quote, not a word about tonight to anyone. If you ever mention my name, if you talk, you'll be sorry. Your family will pay. Mm -hmm. And then it's simply signed Winston Mosley.
1: And everyone is like, "Sir, your testimony right. says otherwise." <laughs> right, like the the exact opposite. So the movie ends
0: in what I have to say is kind of an over the top. Uh, <laughs> the, shaking. Are you gonna the are you gonna flip the table?
1: I uh, no, I just, no, I go, it's go ahead.
0: So over the top. It ends with with Bill deciding that he needs to actually witness what happened. So that he gets an actress, an actress named Shannon Beebe.
5: Mm-hmm. Hi. How are you? Good, how are you? I'm, I'm Shannon.
3: Nice
0: to meet you. Nice to meet you. Yes. To like, basically... Reenact the, the whole thing, like parking the car, walking from the car With, down the street
1: without the murder.
0: Without so it's just, just screaming. Her. Yeah, and I mean you see him taping up like notices to the community about like this is going to happen. Like
1: FYI, there's going to be a woman screaming bloody murder.
0: And can then, you imagine being the bit like if you were there? Then the actual murder, you're like again.
1: Yeah, everyone is calling the cops now. Yeah, I exactly. should hope.
0: Right, but that's I mean I was thinking about all of that. But then you you see it happen, and she screams for Jesus. She-
1: he screams and screams and screams and it goes on for so long and then i'm thinking like why does he want this and then you see him reacting to it and it was the only thing you know she makes it to the door she's inside and then you hear the muffled screaming i have chills thinking about it you hear the muffled screaming through the door and he has his head down and he's just absorbing it and then she comes out and they share this beautiful hug. And he softly thanks her. Thank you. And, you know, there was a conversation with the family where the, his family was saying... He admits it's an obsession. And the family says, you have to bury it. Yeah. And I think... He needed to dive into the. It was like a like a, what do they call it? Immersion therapy.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where he was like, I'm going to. Flooding. Talk-
1: yeah. Uh. <laughs> he's like, I'm going to talk to everybody. I'm going to learn everything. Just he needs to know because I think after four years, the fear of the unknown becomes something that your brain cannot handle. Yeah, absolutely. But Bill just is still like a really stable, nice, kind, beautiful soul in spite of all of it. Yeah. So I'm already crying from that whole moment, right? <laughs> right. From the hug and the thank you, and then it's like. Who's over for Christmas? (laughs) Sophia from the beginning of the movie who maybe didn't, you know, who was there with Kitty.
0: The one that was with her the night that, in the moment that she died.
1: Yeah.
3: This is unbelievable.
0: I know. And Sophia is like in her eighties. She's so with it. She's like so down to talk and yeah. share stories. Then you see them like, gi- like giving pictures of like Kitty's nieces and nephews to her, so she can see what they look like. I yeah. mean, it was a wonderful ending.
1: Yeah, so wonderful. And she says, you know, I hope Kitty was knew that she I wasn't was alone, yeah. and she was my friend, and I knew she was hurt, and I had, and she needed help. Right. That was that was my
5: reason for. Flying down those stairs. I only hope
1: that she knew it was me that she wasn't along. It just ends with like everyone coming together and and finally moving moving forward, I think, for for the first time since 1964 for a lot of these people. Yeah. <laughs>
0: so much for listening to another episode of True Crime Obsessed. Um, We would love it, love it, love it if you would rate and review us on iTunes. Yeah. We got a really interesting review that you guys can check out if you want to. Yes. And react if you feel like it. Yep. Um, follow us on Twitter. We are at True Crime Obsessed. No E-D. Nope. But the website is True Crime Obsessed. Yeah. Where you can find all the episodes and all of our, the rest of our social. Uh, Jillian, what are we doing next? Holy hell. Our first cult. (laughs) Ah, I've, I've, this is the first one of these documentaries I haven't already seen. It's pretty crazy. I'm excited. Um, here's the preview for Holy Hell and then stay tuned for this week's outtakes. Okay. Bye. Bye. We love you.
2: My name is Will Allen. I started making movies when I was 13 I went to film school and three weeks after graduating, my sister introduced me to her spiritual teacher and my whole life took a different path. It was the middle of the 80s and we wanted something different.
0: They were so alive. Living from their heart, and playing, and jumping in ice-cold rivers, and hiking through the forest at night, and oh my god, I want me some of that. We started it. This
2: is what we wanted. It was our little utopia. And we were all there because of this one man.
3: He's very charismatic, like a child, very playful. He could dance, he was artistic, he
0: was all those things we all wanted to be.
2: He was just this beautiful, silent entity. And I said, I would follow you anywhere. my films elevated him to the role of an awakened master. He spoke as if he had gone into the cosmos and come back. He said, what are you willing to give up to know God? It's not like we were forced to be there. We wanted to be there. He always told us we're an anti-cult. I was hallucinating, colors were moving around
1: him, and
2: I thought, I
1: found it. I really felt like I had a purpose in my life. He just became stranger and stranger and more paranoid and more
2: possessive. You can't say no. No is against the rules. He wanted
4: to be worshipped. He wanted to be God. If you
2: can't stand naked in front of your master, you can't stand naked in front of your God. What's the scientific, rational explanation for this madness? It was so hard to believe, but I trusted him. I never dreamed it would happen like this. I thought we would be together our entire lives.
1: You want to hear something insane? Yeah. My mom, her name is Barbara. When she, uh, years ago, I was away at college she heard, in their home, a little girl saying, Barbara? <gasps> and she, in her in, in her head for a second, she was, it was a total mind F, because, like, I was away, I was, you know, in the Bronx at Fordham, and she was like, what? And my uncle's uh, wife was staying with us at the time, because they were, like, traveling a lot, and my mom was like, Kim? <laughs> and it was, like, what Kim wasn't home, and also Kim is not a little girl, and I uh, saw that said girl at the top of the stairs one night. <gasps> You did? Yeah. So that is not a crazy thing that like you would hear someone calling you oh my by God. your name and have it not be the person in the room. Just saying. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Happy nightmares. <laughs> yeah, she was murdered in 1964 March. in Kew Gardens, In Kew Gardens, Queens. Sorry, I
0: totally man interrupted you. Let's take that
1: again. Did you just mansplain? I have my notes right here. How dare you, sir?
0: <laughs> okay, up next. Flight attendant...
1: No, that's no, that's not a French accent. That's the worst French accent ever. She was. I love lesbians. Have I ever have I talked to you about this? We've talked about lesbians many a time. I am
0: obsessed. So there are. My husband thinks that I am more attracted to, like, butch lesbians (laughs) than I am to actual men. And in some cases, it's true. Really? Yeah. You guys, Google this actress, Beth Malone. She's a Broadway actress. Oh, yeah. I am obsessed with her. She's so beautiful, and she's so talented, and I would leave my husband tomorrow. Oh,
1: my God. Beth, call me. Call Patrick. (laughs) I mean, God, this is a
0: goddamn good movie.
1: It's really good. It's really, it's jarring. It gets you, it sucks you in, and you're just kind of like, the minute it was over, I don't have cable, I have an antenna. Yeah. The minute it was over, I just turned on this, oh, this channel called Buzzer and it, hold, and it plays old, old game shows. I was like, I need to cleanse this palette.
0: <laughs> Big money, no whammies?
1: Yes, totally. No whammies, no whammies, no whammies. Stop.
0: <laughs> and then they go home with like $200 and they are over the moon. The
1: moon. <laughs> <laughs> just knocked <laughs> just flailed wildly and knocked his glass of water off the table I
0: basically
2: flipped the table